Are you are you pod dadding tonight, David? Um, would you like to? It's been a while since you've done it. It's been a while, while but I, uh, yeah. But then I have to pronounce Eleanor's name, and fuck knows I can't do that. So. Do you want it? You want it again? It's Yarnaga. Oh no! Yeah, don't tell know, him. But... Don't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> No, the, the right, number the it. number of people who just can't do it. Like, I, it's one of the. If I got bent out of shape about people not being able to say Yanaga, then I would just be even more perpetually angry. So, like, I choose to use my anger with, like, I don't know, the fact that the royal family still exists, and not so much, you know, <laughs> that people can't say my last name. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and you know, fuck it, we'll do it live. It's fine. Yes. Oh uh, man, are you sure you want to cha- uh, channel Bill O'Reilly kind of energy on a day like this? A day <laughs> when Piers Morgan has... Yeah. Alright, oh. fuck it. Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. The Can you do that again without episode. the really annoying sigh at the start? Because that's going to be a pain <laughs> in the dick to edit out. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, then fuck you. All right. <sighs> Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. It's the episode after episode 69, um, but we still managed to get a special guest on. I'm going to try my hand at pronunciation once more. It's Eleanor Yarniger. Hey, you did it. I, I know. I'm so proud of me, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> I'd like to say a hearty nice. I mean, I, I'm I'm really, I'm saddened by it's that. a hearty nice to pronouncing my name and um, episode 69, wherever she may be. <laughs> I'm not really happy with that because on this, on this podcast, we frown on character development. (laughs) (laughs) We are permanent level one podcast characters. Um, Yes. And in that vein, I also have David. Yep. Hello. And Jamie. Nope. (laughs) 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 Oh, yeah. Was going so well. We were on a roll. Yeah, that's my bad. I was, st- I was still on push to talk and I didn't realize. <laughs> well, this is staying in the fucking edit. <laughs> um, oh. And James, then. Hello. Hi. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and just at the top of the at the top of the recording, um, I would like to by this extend an open invitation to Eleanor to come back every week because the last time Eleanor you were on, uh, Rush Limbaugh died, and now you're on, and Piers Morgan has quit GMB. So clearly, you're some you have some kind of connection to the ether. I have uh, you know some pretty uh, eerie leftist powers apparently, um, but I can only use them specifically when I'm manifested onto uh, very good leftist podcasts. That's uh, you know the limitation. Critical support. Mm. <laughs> have you have you got one scheduled for after this? Report, hey. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, like you're going to be podcasting for the rest of your natural life. And if we have to, you know, wipe out most of the British commentary. Oh, my God. It's just going to I'm I'm just kind of thinking how long it's going to take before we can get Graham Linehan. But, you know, it's fine. Like, whatever. I mean, he's going to be testifying before the before. Where he is did. it? Is it the House of Lords? We did. House of- he's already done it. He's done it. Oh, he's done it. Oh. Well, he's 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 complaining before the for the House of Lords that no one on Twitter likes him. Like the why ultimate. Did the house, what's he? What? Why is he relevant to, enough that he's been in the House of Lords? Was did they think he was Mister Potato Head or something? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Piers Morgan has had to resign after having a very normal one about the whole uh, Meghan Markle Harry Oprah debate comment review whatever we want to call it. Mm. Hooray! Yeah, I mean, yeah, I absolutely love to see it. It's uh, absolutely blessed to watch, you know, someone get that like metaphorically nude, but certainly red and mad by facing <laughs> just the slightest amount of criticism and pushback at, at all whatsoever. It just yeah. shows you how incredibly thin-skinned, like the commentariat are. Oh, I mean, it was it was the the weatherman apparently or something, wasn't it? I, I, I admittedly, I haven't watched it or done any kind of research whatsoever, but I think the weatherman like called him a snowflake. Mm, yeah, the yeah, weatherman yeah. was all like, "Why are, why does she live so rent free in your head?" Like, I, I mean, as far as I'm aware, she you know goes to you that one time and has yet to respond back to you, but you're constantly talking trash about her. And he was like, "Oh." But, and that was it. Yeah, like literally, uh, that was that, it. That he's definitely the kind of person where, like, you know, he he's the host. He outranks the weatherman. So for the weatherman to like drag him would just be <laughs> devastating to his like giant, fragile child ego. Are we sure it's not just his workmate is setting him up and giving him like a moment and like it's going to grab attention to set him up for doing his uh, you know entrance into GB News? Because mm. that's kind of what I presumed this was about. This was about him getting like public attention so he can swan off and then make a really big grand re-entrance when he never gets his is the weatherman managed by the same guys that manage vegan sausage rolls Mm. from greg's Uh yeah see that's what i was wondering Mm. i forgot about that affair yeah he likes a he likes a manufactured outrage of pills yeah I mean, to be fair, ashtar car made a good point earlier today where she just said look whatever happens like the outrage was on GMB uh, this morning or whatever that show is called, GMB Today, and was on camera with GMB featuring a cast of all GMB cast members. So, like, whatever it is, it's just more eyeballs for GMB. You know, it's just, it's all... Yeah. Mm. I mean, it has a f- big whiff of kayfabe around it. I mean, I, well, I saw, I saw, I saw like, a screenshot of him and he, he looked like he was about to cry, and I don't think he's, he's an actor, is he? No, no. Maybe he was just emotional that it was his last day on, you know, Good Morning Britain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, painful change, growth, all that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, okay, it's Piers Morgan, so not really. But, like, I guess I guess it depends whether we find out in about a week's time that he's got a position on the new Fash News. So. Oh, well, he's bound to have a position on the new For Fash sure. News, do you know what I mean? Like, who run up any fucking dickhead they can find, aren't they? You can't run a TV station entirely off the back of Andrew Neil. <laughs> It'd be just, do you know what I mean? There'd be far too many... T- i mean i i I struggle with things like this too because i often just wonder about what's going on on uh broadcast tv generally because it i'm who is watching it i mean and i understand that it's like nans is is sort of the answer but it's just Mm. like well how does one run television and is piers morgan really the answer to it i mean do you actually have to funnel 
millions of pounds to him for nebulous reasons. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't quite understand it all. But hey, you know, gotta respect the grip. Piers Morgan, if Piers Morgan is the answer to something. I do not want to know the question. <laughs> uh, you see though like you know what I mean you're all like oh well it's great that Piers Morgan's finally fucked off breakfast TV but they replace him with like Jim Davidson or something mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah they're not gonna like go out it, like it, let's be real it's not like they're hiring me to replace him you know it's like there's that not that would be amazing I mean that would be really good for me personally uh, you know the television studio probably less so but you know hey <laughs> they'll, re- they'll replace him with a necromancer who's like reanimating like Bernard Manon or something like that you know what I mean <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely well, I, s- I suppose Glinner isn't doing much these days so that'd be the optimum most cursed outcome oh yeah he goes on the House of Lords and then ends up on Good Morning Britain oh fuck me I would, I would absolutely love to see that dipshit like interview people on TV all these people just sound like the the lineup for you know the second round of Operation <laughs> to me, but that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did, I wanted to not talk so much about Harry and Meghan because everybody and their grandmothers had six or seven takes about it. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to kick off with a slightly less pleasant story. I'm going to put in a small listener warning at the top of this story. This is a story that concerns mental health suicide and some other deep unpleasant things so if you don't want to listen i'll tell you in the edit i'll put it a bit in where you can pick it back up go to 24 minutes and 10 seconds because the first thing i wanted to talk about was a callback to a second sequel to something we talked about before in episode 65 which is the napier barracks and penalty camp if you remember that was the asylum seeker housing old barracks that were like a massive COVID hotspot and where people pass away. Yeah. So it's the concentration camp that we're putting asylum seekers yeah. in. Yes. It's, well, it's not mince words. Yeah. It's yeah. our, yeah. Yep. It's just, there's a new report that just came out from the inspectorate of prisons who visited both Napier barracks and Penley camp. And the findings are I want to talk about it because I think this is, you know, this is getting buried under the fucking Harry and Meghan shit. And, and I think this story is in many ways much, much more important because it shows our complete lack of humanity to our fellow man. Mm-hmm. Some of the findings include that the, these camps were only meant as a contingency for a few weeks due to COVID. These were then sort of became near permanent housing. Contractors were only given two weeks to prepare old army barracks for human habitation and like local actors including healthcare and mental care professionals were not consulted at all before these poor people moved in those arriving at both these camps were given little or no notice uh, before being moved to these camps um, and no explanation of why they were being moved there and i'll Quote a little bit from the report here. The cramped communal conditions made a large-scale corona outbreak inevitable with these open... These were essentially open-plan dormitories. And when I say open-plan dormitories, what I mean is... <laughs> I mean, David, you've been in these barracks and so maybe you... I Yeah, I, I used to fucking... I used to pay to spend two weeks in the summer in these kind of places. In fact, I narrowly missed going to Penale itself, um, which thank fuck because that was the worst-sounding one that anyone told me about. Um, mm. it's fucking rank. It's like imagine a think of a standard size house, one floor. It's all one room, and there's about sixteen beds in it, like and some lockers maybe. That's about it. God. It's shit. 
Mm. It's proper fucking bad. And like, I would stay there for two weeks at a time and I would be climbing the fucking walls by the end of the first one. I have no idea how these people would feel in that, like, against their fucking will in the first place. Like, it must be horrible. It's also worth reiterating that they're falling apart, aren't they? Oh, yeah. massively, yeah, yeah. Um, they've sold off some of like the worst ones. And when I say worst ones, I mean, like, for example, I stayed in a camp called County Bragan once for two weeks. County Bragan was a World War II prisoner of war camp, and I, someone only just in their 30s, was able to stay there as a teenager. In a prisoner of war camp. So that's the kind of quality of stuff they're just, that's just beyond the pale. Somewhere where fucking Rudolf Hess was living for a wee bit. Like, that's that's beyond the pale. But anything a little bit closer? No, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, again, from the report, uh, those who were there, again, these are asylum seekers with valid reasons to be in the UK, so let's make that mm-hmm. extremely clear. Um, they had little to do to fill their times, a lack of privacy, a lack of control over their day-to-day lives, limited information about what will be happening to them, these factors all had a corrosive effect on the residents' morale and mental health to a point where a third of respondents at both sites talked about having mental health problems and a third of those um, interned at Napier felt feelings of suicide having been there for a number of weeks. And those reporting to the subcontractors who are not equipped to deal with these people and who had serious mental health and suicide issues were located in a decrepit isolation block, which the prison Bureau of Prisons Inspector found unfit for human habitation. It, this is not a fun story in any way. Um, I'll, I'll put can, a link. I, can I interject just to say, because I feel it's worth emphasizing, our prisons are god-awful. Mm. Yeah. Our prisons are really horrendous. Mm-hmm. And for the Inspector of Prisons to come out and say, this isn't fit for human habitation. Words can't begin to describe how hellish it must be if even they're like, oh, like you can't you can't keep people here. It's not right. Yeah, I mean, for, for those who can bear to look at these kinds of things, we'll put a link to the report which has photos at the end. You can look at those if you like, if you see what the United Kingdom is doing to fellow humans. And just as a side note, in this same block where people were held um, with suicidal ideas was also the same block where children were assigned. So I normal, previously... Very fucking normal. It, it, if you remember, the last time we talked about this, we also talked about the response of Priti Patel, um, who then at that time said the site of Napier Barracks had previously accommodated our brave soldiers and army personnel, <sighs> and it is an insult to say that this is not good enough for these individuals. <laughs> I mean, I just... So I, I, don't, I don't know about the state of Napier, right? I've never, I've never seen anything to do with Napier really, right? But in the case of Penali, that's what's... It's known as a transit camp, right? So you go there. If, you, if you're in the army, you go there for a week, maybe two weeks to do a course, and then you leave it and you immediately feel better because you're no longer there. These places don't actually house people long term. They're for, they're basically work accommodation. Like it's nothing like that. Um long term living solutions at all. I mean, I just also yeah. I, I really feel strongly about, you know, when we're justifying things in terms of well, it used to. It's sort of like, well, at what point 
you know, because like, is this something where we're talking about, oh, last week we had a bunch of people through here, or has it been some time? Because, you know, classically, one of the things that we're really facing here in the 21st century is the fact that we have infrastructure, even when it's in, for example, the army, which is one of the only things that we still continuously fund, which we refuse to ever do anything in order to keep up. We just sort of pretend that you can have built something in the 60s or the 70s, and then that's it, that it's done now, you know, um, see any of you know social housing for more information on this <laughs> so you know saying that at one point in time it housed someone for the army and therefore it's still fit for human habitation it's just a huge canard you know it's uh, i mean what do we mean by that you know it's like oh yeah like in, in 1870 our brave boys you know stopped here <laughs> for the night like i just i require I'm further clarification sure. that's all you're a historian, you'll be able to confirm this. I'm pretty sure there's galleons in the bottom of the ocean that used to mm -hmm. house human beings as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the Home Office has, has an answer for you. Um, actually, this is from today. Oh, um, I, know, I, know the, I know what the answer is. Is the answer sinking more boats so people can live on them? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty close. Um, a spokeswoman for the Home Office said in response to this report, during these unprecedented times, we have met our statutory duty to provide asylum seekers who would otherwise be <laughs> destitute with suitable accommodations and three meals a day, all paid for by the British taxpayer. We have met our statutory duty is the fucking best way I have ever heard someone say we have done the bare minimum. <sighs> I just... Was she... I, I... Was she blinking in Morse code, saying, "Please help me, Pretty Patel is a monster"? <laughs> like during that. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I try. I think we all usually try not to start off or like be too heavy on this podcast. But given with all the shit that's you know the the Harry and Meghan dominating the news forever, like I think this is an actual story that like. It, at any normal time in, in sort of whenever the fuck we've had a normal time, like this should be an issue of which governments fall and people resign and, you know, serious inquiries, public inquiries are help, but we're not going not gonna to get any of this. And, and it's just, uh, I, so, I find it so depressing how easy it is for, for, for this country and, and many others to just, you know, do this out of sight, subcontract it away, and then just, you know, create active policies to make these camps like this to discourage people. I I, I don't know. I, I wanted to talk about this because I think it's important. Yeah. One of the one of the dumbest things about this to me, right, is so one of the one of these times I was away, everyone got ill when we were at the camp. It was um there was a norovirus outbreak and there was about <laughs> three hundred fucking kids there like and 50 percent of them got fucking norovirus and it was so bad that they had to send us home because they couldn't contain the outbreak because of the nature of the accommodation and then they've used accommodation which is probably worse than the accommodation we were in at that camp for the sake of plague prevention like mm, yeah it, it's it's bullshit it's absolute scrabbling and it's 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 again down to the lack of infrastructure like, there is nowhere suitable for this kind of thing there is no suitable temporary housing on a wide scale that can be used to house anyone at all. Um, and the only reason that this stuff's being used at all for asylum seekers is because it's got fences built around it. It doesn't really... You wouldn't be able to get away with putting anyone else in it. Like, it's 
it's just shit. It's it's bullshit. But like, I, I just I find it fucking hilarious that they're trying to use like a place like this for fucking um, medical isolation, and it's you, you can't do that in a room with fucking sixteen people living in it. And apparently, like even local people tried to bring like blankets and food, and you know they knew what the score was, and they were turned away by the security there because they were, you know, that wasn't supposed to be a thing that we do anymore. I mean, I suppose that it it just bears repeating, and you know, obviously, we're all thinking this, but you know, what one of the things that's really frustrating about this entire situation is that you know the cruelty is the point. You know, we, we're we're sitting here talking yeah. about how disgusting it is, and it is absolutely it's abominable. There's no defense for treating asylum seekers like this at all. Um, I'm continuously frustrated by and disgusted with our treatment of asylum seekers as though they've um, breached some law and that they don't have a right to be where they are. Um, and, you know, this is the second place I've, well, okay, so, you know, I was born uh, for my sins in the States where obviously we, we pull this shit all the time. Um, I then, like, I lived in Australia for a while where, oh, you better believe they have concentration camps <laughs> on offshore islands so that they yeah, can torture yeah, people. Yeah, Nauru Island or something. Nauru, yeah. Um, there's Manus Island and there's, and there's Nauru and it's absolutely disgusting and it's been condemned by the UN several times, but if you're a white person, you can just go ahead and torture people if you want. Um, and now we're doing it here and it's been they've been explicit about the fact that they're using the kind of australian playbook here and yeah. it's it's so disturbing to know you know when when you see you know there's the we have these nominal sort of uh things in place to stop it from happening like you know the un will come in and say oh what's all this then looks like you're running a torture camp you should stop doing that but no one forces them to stop and now more and more countries are picking it up so now we're doing it as well and you know, they say that what they're trying to do is to deter, you know, people who are seeking asylum from coming here. And, you know, what does that just say about you as an entity or a place that you, you don't want to help people who are in the most desperate circumstances possible and that you'll punish them for seeking their legal rights? You know, it's it's disgusting in terms of I'm sure. the, the treatment like this for humans, but also it's got worrying knock-on effects, you know, for every racist who applauds this stuff. It's like, yeah, mate, think about what that means for your government generally. You know, they'll they'll knock this on to you and, mm -hmm. and make no mistake. Like, don't think that they'll just do it to brown people. They start off seeing if they can get away with it to brown people and they see how far they can crank that dial up. And then they do. That's just it. I'm really, I'm really glad you mentioned Manus Island, actually, because I was pulling this off the shelf. Um, for any listener who wants to get an experience of what this is actually like firsthand, there is a book called No Friend But The Mountains by Beruz Bouchani, and I hope I'm saying his name right, and apologies if I'm not. Um, he's a Kurdish journalist who in 2013 sought asylum in Australia, but instead was illegally imprisoned in um, the detention centre on Manus Island. And he wrote a book about his experience one text message at a time with a smuggled phone. It's it's a very good book and it's a very harrowing book and it is a glimpse into what we are doing. Yeah, I, I can't... If, you, if you're sitting here thinking, well, it sounds like the accommodation is grim, but you're not quite grasping the full horror of it, it's, it's a book worth picking up. It will be... It's the sort of book you pick up and you read, but you never really put down. Mm. So... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I... I'll just... I'll, I'll maybe cap this off with a little bit of a, a positive note. We have a strong human rights lawyer as leader of the opposition. And any day now, <laughs> oh, any God, day now, oh. he's going to put his foot down about this. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. Oh, God. Well, that, that, <sighs> that makes me... Anyway, on a much lighter and stupider uh, topic, because... Uh, before, before we move off that, can I just say, like, because in the past when we've talked about, like, uh, asylum seekers and immigrants and stuff, we've had people leave comments complaining that we're, we don't know what we're fucking talking about, so... Just to save everyone involved some time, if you're thinking about leaving a comment like that, I'll just call you a cunt now. Yeah. And then you don't need to leave it. Save me five minutes of typing. Mm-hmm. But we will also call you a cunt in the comments if you really feel that strongly about it. The podcast might not be getting more professional, but we are getting more efficient. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, so I wanted to move us on to a slightly stupider, but also in its way, I thought an interesting story. Uh, is that against the uh, agreement struck between the EU and the United Kingdom, uh, the UK has now unilaterally declared that products containing soil are cleared for imports into Northern Ireland. Sorry, products containing what? Soil, d- earth, dirt. Oh. Well, this is an no, interesting might- one. Yeah, like, again, uh, on my, uh, like, an Australian tip. So, like, when I lived in Australia, yeah. I, like, came back uh, from America once, um, and I hadn't, like, properly washed some mud off my hiking boots. Yes. And um, so, it, because, you know, I'm, I'm a white woman, obviously, they were massively deferential, and someone just went and washed my boots for me. And I was like, this is not, like, a great advertisement for asking me to wash my boots, because now I just know you'll do it for me. Uh, but, you know, you have to be really <laughs> careful about not contaminating the soil there. And I imagine that this is, uh, it's similar, it's, no? Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. Um, yeah. It's to do with very long-standing rules that most like trading nations and, and blocks in the case of the EU have soil contains a lot of bugs and, and things you don't want to contaminate your, your local environment. So like they're very strong. They always have been um, to prevent soil coming in from like anything from like potted plants to muddy boots, to muddy tractors, um, essentially to stop it from crossing into the European union and, and uh, running amok. This is how you get things like infestations, like Japanese knotweed for the, for the people mm-hmm. who are interested in this shit. And this has all been done. And this is why I kind of like it. Cause it makes it such a British story. The people who were complaining the loudest were the Northern Ireland plant nurseries and garden centers, because they used to import all their stock from Britain. So mm. it was all to do, you know, it's about spring. So it was about people not being able to fuck around in their front garden. So I, I'm, 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 I'm lost with this. Are they worried they'll get Triffids or something? Is that the issue? <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, they're pretty much worried that like, I mean, that because there's no border between Northern Ireland and, and the Republic, that the Triffids will cross over and then make their way back across the Irish Sea into France or some shit. Someone might bring in a box of soil with John Rentoul sleeping in it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, the, essentially the UK is starting to test the boundaries of what's possible um, with breaking these small rules. So soil is one thing and about not signing forms about what's being brought into Northern Ireland. This is all to keep like the fucking unionists happy. This doesn't really go very well. And I think, uh, James, you were on this earlier this week that like Ulster unionists have already declared their opposition and said they're digging back their arms up again or something. Sorry, Rob, I, I didn't hear a word you said there. It's a really bad connection. I, I just heard this su- fucking pipe and flute band just kind of piped in. <laughs> talking about, and uh, so, so, someone's singing about King Billy and No Surrender. And it's just getting louder and louder. And I might need to drop off a podcast if it keeps going. Um, yeah, no. I right, think that's they, just fucking... one of the Rangers celebrations, mate. Don't worry about it. That's, <laughs> hey, that's, a, that's a topical reference for the five people who listen to us in Scotland. Um, 
Yeah, no, right. So, I mean, they fired a warning shot. They fucking graffitied, um, you know, uh, Michael Gove's home address along with a, a basically a, a not so subtle death threat on a wall. Um, so, like, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're getting ready. They've, they, they, I mean, people forget there have been bombs. There have been bombs since the whole Brexit thing has kicked off, and they've just been kind of commented on a little bit and really downplayed them in news. But um, no, the, the the loyalists are not happy, and they are they're tooling up. They're just straight up tooling up, and they're warning everyone. Like I've got to give them credit on this, okay? Mm. They are actually genuinely, you know, they've been going. We're not happy with this. No, you don't understand. We're really not happy with this. <sighs> right? Okay. No, we're we're sincerely not happy with this, and the real hardline members of us are not happy with this. So you need to watch out for them. Oh, they've called in a bomb threat. Well, now they'll take us. You're not taking us seriously. Fucking hell! And like they've been, they are slowly escalating. And the problem is. The Tories just aren't going to take it seriously. Yeah. They're not. They're not going to take it seriously until it suddenly becomes frighteningly real for them when the troubles reignite. Mm-hmm. Um, which might seem like a bit. You know, people were sitting, going, "We can't be the troubles again, can it?" And it's like there was a news article just recently. The loyalists have straight up said they no longer regard the Good Friday Agreement as something to be upheld because it's not been upheld by the British government. Uh, that should like that when I read that headline, my blood just fucking curdled. Yeah, uh, we are returning to the troubles if this goes on, and so you know you've got to understand that um, you know Boris taking the very reasonable and sensible step of allowing soil imports from Britain into Northern Ireland is of course the uh, the appropriate and measured and calculated response to the possible return of pipe bombs and death squads and all the other shit that'll kick off. Mm because of, you know, Northern Ireland being cleaved away from the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay tuned on that one. I don't know. I mean, um, you know, forgive me, you did it, it, you did medieval history. That's like your focus of your PhD and all the rest of it, isn't it? Correct, yes. Did you, at any point during your your history undergrad, did you ever touch on the, the history of Northern Ireland, perchance? <laughs> so, you know, um, I know a bit about medieval Irish society in general, um, and uh, more specifically, and, you know, for my sins, and obviously, as you can tell from my accent, I am um, an Irish citizen, but republic thereof. Uh, <laughs> my, fam- yeah. my family is from Kilkenny, uh, Go the Cats, etc., uh, but uh, it's one of these things where it, it's it's incredibly frustrating, right? Um, like even from a medieval standpoint, because the ongoing invasions of Ireland over and over again, and the struggles with people trying to figure out like what the fuck they're going to do now, like whether you're a Viking or you know the hated English. <laughs> it, it's like um, it's one of these things where like did you, oh no, but you really didn't see this coming, is it? And it's frustrating even as, you know, an outsider in this process to to just watch people completely invalidate the fact that we have hundreds and hundreds of years of history of, like, figuring out what this is. And what, when you bring new settlers in, um, which, you know, I'm not trying to call all loyalists new settlers, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it, enough time has passed yeah. that they are, they are Northern Irish and Irish yeah, absolutely. according to their disposition. Certainly, certainly. And I'm not, I'm not trying to invalidate that. But, you know, when you introduce new uh, cultures like this, it's something that you have to balance extraordinarily delicately. And, you know, let's face it, in the first place, you know, Brexit's just a grift. And uh, it's a grift by people who are extraordinarily fucking stupid. Like, not to put too fine a point on it, but, you know, they simply did not think this far ahead because, in the first place, I don't think that they ever thought that they were going to manage 
to get Brexit. So they were like, well, we're not going to have to think about Northern Ireland because it'll never get so far down the line. And I, I do believe they hoped and prayed it would never get that far down the line because then they have to think of another grift and or do the work. You know, um, every Tory's worst nightmare actually working. So it's, you know, it, like one hates to be Cassandra, as it were. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> Anderson in, in this uh, particular, that, that's a 2000 AD joke. Don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm fine. No, I, I totally Thank got you. it. No, She's I think, by I far think the our best. highly cultured audience of beautiful people definitely got that. Mm -hmm. Good. But, it, you know, it's just one of these <laughs> things where, you know, it's so incredibly exhausting just uh, dealing with it because, I mean, yeah, we've got uh, centuries upon centuries of history about like how this is a really difficult situation. And everyone went, nah, mate, I think I'll grift. You know, you're just like, well, well, ugh, I don't know. To go all 2000 AD on this, you don't have to be a psychic to see this <laughs> shit coming. Like, uh, I, I, I'm glad you, I'm glad you, you had the, the, you know, the, the background to, to point it out. Cause uh, yeah, no, I was thinking about this the other day or the history of Irish invasions. And it's like, at any point, is a human race ever going to learn, or just anyone, anyone ever going to learn about what happens when you fuck with Ireland like this? Just bloody hell. No, I think we're all looking forward to the uh, Irish reunification of 2024. Yes. Um, but in the meantime, speaking of Brexit, and never say we don't cater to our audience, um, they've released more details about um, the new UK... Uh, student exchange scheme that has to replace the old Erasmus one that uh, the UK, of course, walked out on because otherwise we wouldn't be free for, mm. for some reason. Is, is that is that Erasmus scheme named after a wizard? <laughs> <laughs> because that's like when when you say Erasmus to me, I just think that that's definitely that motherfucker is definitely a wizard. He was yeah. a wizard. Was he? As a real yeah. person, was he? Yes, he was. All right, cool. But also a real wizard. But also a real wizard, so, you know. And would it, of course, surprise you to know that it's something that the UK government has organized? So it fucking sucks. The It's called the Turing Scheme uh, now, which is a nice change of pace. And the, He wasn't a wizard. Uh, he was not a wizard. Um, Finally, some queer representation in schemes. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the big the big thing about Erasmus, well, essentially, is that you got free tuition the universities you you were going mm -hmm. to abroad in across Europe because it would just be sort of a swap, like you took one of theirs for one of them. Maybe uh, if I'm wrong about this and you know something, Eleanor, please like correct me. No, that's ex that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, but now there's no this scheme works differently. Like the UK will still help you travel abroad but there's no tuition uh, support or tuition waiver mm -hmm. so if you go under the Turing scheme there's a good chance you just have to like pay the full rate for a student from abroad which is incredibly expensive i think oxford and cambridge charge something like what is it like thirty thousand quid a year for like non-uk students now something like that yeah, it's um, I I don't even know what the overseas fees are at this point, but astronomical one one supposes, and it is it, you know it, it's one of these things where of course again it's the same thing as with every single fucking Brexit thing is they thought about it one way it's like oh well simply the the foreign you know the the EU kids will simply pay a bunch of money to go to Oxford and it's like no they won't mate they'll you know they'll go to Dublin like are you joking like if they want to work on their English they'll just go somewhere else you know where it's free. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's just another one of these things that is just sort of just like designed to, you know, not get Brits to travel abroad and just keep them home. Because like under the old uh, Erasmus scheme, you would get um, like, I think up to something like 1300 quid for your travel support. So like it was, 
I'm not saying that the Erasmus thing was like fully affordable for like if you were a poor student, because it was sort of manageable. But now there's like no travel cost supports, and the cost of living support was like they cut a third of that off that as well. So it's just like it's just another way of just like. I don't even understand like the the sort of like, whatever Britain wants to be freed like but why is it then important that you like fuck over you know I went on an Erasmus kind of thing cuz I was studying English and you know it's extremely mm. helpful if you're studying French or Italian or or Hungarian yeah. or or Czech or whatever to spend at least some time in a country where that's the natural language it makes mm-hmm. like it it just helps a lot and I just I don't you know it's one of these things where it's like what the fuck is the point of this like who's who's pissed off with, you know, what kind of weirdo cunt in the in the ERG is like pissed off with some fucking students going abroad for you? I don't get it. And I mean, I suppose that I'm I'm quite passionate about this as someone who did a lot of um, studying abroad as a uni student, um, because especially if you're from the working class, uh, like you know myself, you know one of the best ways to go somewhere and learn another language is to do study abroad because it's sort of like, well, you're just transposing exactly your same constant of living to somewhere else. Um, And there isn't like the same, um, you know, someone else who like does the visas for you. You don't have to worry about uh, figuring out how you're going to get everywhere back and forth. And so there is like a certain contingent of people who will say that complaining about the Erasmus program is like inherently bourgeois. Uh, and I think that's complete bullshit. And actually what happens if you're saying, oh, well, we can write the Erasmus program off is you're completely throwing working class kids under the bus. Because mm-hmm. the minute you're introducing more barriers and more fees to something as important as study abroad, and I'm sorry, I, I do feel very strongly uh, that study abroad is incredibly important. It's had a profound effect about who I am as a person and the number of languages I speak. And uh, the number of languages I speak is completely um, you know, integral to my worldview, the work that I do, um, and everything, like, you know, really everything about my life would not have been possible without, um, you know, being able to, you know, when I first moved to the Czech Republic, it was as, you know, well, I was an Erasmus student because I've been coming from America, but, you know, I was in a, a university that had them. Um, certainly, I think that my time in Japan would have been almost impossible without it, you know, unless I was willing to um, teach English as a second language, which is a completely different um, experience, again, because you're not around a bunch of people your age, you're, you're doing something totally different. Um, and the ability to make those connections, especially without having to pay a bunch of fucking money, is now completely off the table for kids. So it's like every, every you know, kid who just, you know, quite likes Spanish is fucked now. And that, it, it, it's just... A, a monumental loss. I'm sorry it is because uh, cultural exchange is one of the best things we have going. And I, it just makes me incandescent with rage. I'm sorry. It's it's terrible and fucking stupid and short-sighted. And we need more people going more places speaking more languages. That's something we need. Sorry. That's it. Let's, let's be real. If a European research group could get a giant fucking caterpillar excavator and just somehow gouge a fucking trench through the tectonic plate to separate like Britain from the EU, they do it in a heartbeat. And that's what this basically, this is like the, the psychic, the psychological attempt to do that in the meanest and most petty way possible. So, yeah, it's just, it's just fucking vandalism. I mean, that's, that's just all it is. But yeah, so, you know, good luck to people who want to move abroad or, mm. you know, not as the case may be. Anyway, <sighs> so 
Wow, we're yes. having a t- fucking cheery episode today. Sorry uh, for yelling again, everybody. Like, this is just like, have Eleanor on and be like, and another fucking thing. I'm tired of your faces. <laughs> like, just, it's great. It's a good time. No, it's it's very it's very on vibe with us. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was listening, I wasn't on the last episode you were on, but I was listening to it and going, yep, yep, she fits right in. Perfect. <laughs> Got to have her back. Mm, yeah. mm. What are podcasts for, if not yelling? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and apparently, uh, you know, getting fucking pricks in the media fired and or dead so there's another reason for eleanor to keep and come on more yeah exactly so you know i'm getting there i'm getting there eventually guys it's all good so yeah so i mean the one of the well one of the many reasons i wanted to to i asked eleanor to to come back on uh for this time is i was thinking about our glorious future um and then and glorious <laughs> it, it is um and I, I read a piece a while ago in the which L- which future are you talking about the one we're all on fire or the one we're all underwater yes uh, no this is <laughs> this mm. is option number three it's where we are all um once again um option number three is where elon musk invents a way for us to be underwater and on fire at the same time <laughs> yeah, if you just spill it's enough cold. if you spill enough oil into you know any body of water then it's entirely within the realm of possibility i'm just saying no it's 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 going to be when the uk turns its white phosphorus supplies on its civilians then that'll burn underwater so i <laughs> have the irish reunification of 2024 oh god yeah, pretty much oh god so no, this is the particular type of future where um, if your parents worked in an Amazon fulfillment center and you are born, that means you are automatically predestined to also work in the Amazon fulfillment center. There was a piece a while ago, and um, we'll put a link in the show description in the LA Review of Books about neo-feudalism. Mm. So I thought we should have a chat about where, I don't know, out of many possible futures, like, and I have a theory that the large tech corporations and the multinationals are in many cases much more powerful than the state now and like whether or not instead of going towards a realm of socialism and then communism whether or not there's some kind of i you can't reverse marxism i don't think but whether or not we're heading towards some sort of neo feudalist mm. future where our overlords and are once again sort of appointed by the state but they're like Jeff Bezos and <laughs> so I, I've obviously got a lot of feelings about this, um, and I uh, also I do recommend that people do read the um, LA Review of Books article. I think that it is quite good um, and useful and a nice thing to think about. Um, but obviously, I have an, a lot of kind of uh, persnickety historian feelings about this, um, as is my want. Um, and the, to be fair to the article, it does approach my major niggling one, which is, uh, yeah, the, the use of the term feudalism is a really fraught one for uh, medieval historians in particular, because, um, what the fuck does that mean? Um, you know, and then uh, to be fair to the article, it does, um, it, it supplies its own, um, its own definition for this. But one of the things about medieval history generally, and one of the things we've been talking more and more about lately, is that we're not really sure that's a thing. Uh, because the idea that feudalism as a system is one thing, um, it just simply doesn't hold up across medieval Europe. Um, every place has a different kind of system going on, um, whether that's about how kings relate to nobles, um, where peasants are paying in money, what serfs um, are asked to do as a part of their condition as a serf, whether or not they can move around, uh, for example, or if they have to pay a work tax. All of those things are completely up in the air. And 
and they vary massively from place to place. You know, if you are yeah, living like, in medieval Sicily, that's a completely different fucking world from medieval Scotland. Uh, frankly, yeah, like they um, I'm I'm genuinely convinced that this was coined by liberals, mm. and I, I don't mean this is how oh, everything's a fucking fault of liberals, kind of you know firing off a hip here. Like um, I think the the establishment. <laughs> hey. well, <laughs> I think the the establishment of this idea of this kind of there's this unified like feudalist society that kind of used to exist that we all know what we're talking about really, mm-hmm. and it was then kind of it bled into kind of mercantilism and the natural outgrowth of mercantilism is the liberal order that's proposed by the industrial revolution and all this kind of stuff. Like I honestly think it was a kind of propaganda effort. Yeah, it was a way to kind of like if you are a liberal and you're wanting to set up the nightmare society that we've inevitably ended up in um, today, then it's pretty hard to say, oh, we need to throw out the existing order and entirely tear it up, unless it's happened before. Mm. And the way to say it's happened before is to create a category, say, oh, well, there was this thing called feudalism, Mm. and then it got torn up and it got replaced by mercantilism by degrees. And that's what we're proposing to do. We're going to tear up mercantilism and we're going to create this myth of this progress by doing this and telling people on this that is going to make it seem like it's perfectly just and good to put people into the mills and clear the highlands and all that kind of oh, shit. Yeah. And that's where I think this comes from, because you're absolutely right. There's not, There is no single socioeconomic system that you can point to and go that is archetypal feudalism mm-hmm. and that was practiced everywhere yeah i honestly think it's no, no, a, it's no, a no, propaganda yeah. construction yeah but what but my theory i mean i i completely agree with with all of that but my sort of my spurious theory that has many holes in it at the collapse of the of the western roman empire at the end what you sort of saw is that the 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 state technically the empire still existed mm-hmm. but essentially um the, the the real power was held by these by local landlords by local mm-hmm. uh, uh warlords who controlled certain territories who nominally received their power from uh, the crown then invested in Ravenna no longer in Rome that's a whole story go listen to the history of Rome podcast if that's your kind of thing and essentially the what we're sort of starting to see now is 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 in some ways at least what i think is a return to to that same thing where mm. our lives are more and more controlled uh, and our labor is more and more controlled by these international tech platforms and finance giants yeah. who are much more in control but who derive their nominal control from uh, uh democracy and the consent of the governed and i can't put enough big enough air quotes around yeah. that so. <laughs> yeah i suppose um just to i i can do like a very quick rundown of like the conception of feudalism um from which you know the neo-feudalism idea is uh, born um, so, you know, as you said, it's like, yes, uh, there is a kind of fracturing away of power from one overarching imperial unit in the case of Rome, so that individuals in smaller localities then are running things. They then parcel out power essentially to smaller and smaller units. So, you know, say you're a king, then you have barons, and then your barons will oversee, you know, even smaller and lesser nobility. You have a bunch of knights who are also nobles who more or less act as hired muscle. And what you're doing is you're overseeing peasants who are renting land from you. They don't own it, but they're still connected to it a lot of times, um, very literally. So they cannot, uh, for example, move down the way if they feel like it. They can't go, oh, I don't like this land. Um, they are tied to the land specifically. Um, 
but it also means that they can inherit the particular strips of land that they're renting off of you. So there is um, a connection between families and particular parcels of land. Um, within that, you can also then, for example, uh, demand labor taxes. So say, uh, for example, um, you are the lord of a manor um, and you've got your own land that, you know, supplies your own wheat for the year. You're obviously not the one who's farming that because you're a rich guy. So your serfs have to come in um, and they have to do a work tithe, which is called, uh, for example, um, in French, the corvée. Um, in Czech, it's called the robota. Uh, and you've got to go out and work in particular fields every year um, specifically to do that. Um, the idea is that basically there is some power held by a local person, ordinarily a king, and then it kind of diffuses down and down and down. Um, surprise, surprise, the poor get fucking crushed within the system. Uh, yeah. So that is a, a very, very... Um, very, yeah. That's a, that's a whistle-stop tour. <laughs> it sounds to me like the mafia runs everything, but it's worse somehow. Yeah, like it's the system, in my opinion, is bad. Um, I, I spend a lot of time uh, attempting to talk about peasants as a result of this because uh, so peasants make up um, 80% of the European population in the medieval period. Uh, and 70% of those are serfs, it's estimated. So you've got about 10% free peasants, but everyone else is a serf, so they're unfree. Um, and, you know, they're just spending a lot of time kicking money around. Um, oh, I suppose an important thing to say here, too, is that um, whilst I've talked about um, paying money to, like, kings and nobles, there's also, of course, the church, and the church are some of the largest landowners as well in the medieval period, so it's equally possible that your landlord, and this is where we get the term landlord, um, that your landlord could be an abbey. So it could be a bunch of monks that you're paying money to and that you're doing the plowing for um, so, equally yeah. well. So who were the free? Who were the free peasants? Uh, They're just like bandits or some shit. Oh well, they, they basically, um, if you make enough money, and it is possible to be a rich peasant, that's in, that's incredibly like within the realm of possibility. Um, and a lot of the time, you can buy your freedom. Um, so if you, I don't know, through some massive stroke of luck, probably lending money to other peasants or you know something like that, or maybe you've just got like a a really good crop, or you've uh, happened across a, a good cash crop. You could save money up, you can buy more land, become richer, blah, 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 and you might be able to pay your way out of serfdom. Um, so there are always free peasants who are around the joint. Um, and being a peasant doesn't necessarily mean that you're poor. Um, I just did, uh, for a TV show, I just filmed a whole thing about uh, peasants here in England. Um, and this one town I was having a look at, I was looking through the tax rolls because I'm cool and know how to have a good time. <laughs> and um, basically, um, in in the town that I was looking at, um, we it, it looks like about thirty uh, percent, yeah, thirty percent of the population are what we would call kind of like what we would consider sort of poor, like really scraping by. Um, and then you've got um, probably another forty percent or so, which you know are about middle class, you know that sort of thing. Like they're they're doing pretty well. They got some extra at the end of the day, and then ten percent are actually doing quite well for themselves um yeah so, so that's that's my yeah so the generalized theory is essentially that we're sort of you can't go back to something but that we are in a way in reproducing mm, mm. the conditions needed to create a society much like that again but mm. with a different mode of production yeah I suppose that um, if we want to move on to neo-feudalism now, I think that it's a, it's a really instructive um, way of thinking about things. Um, and I don't disagree um, with a lot of uh, the um, overarching 
uh, statements that are made within this construction. Um, so if it, actually someone else do the explaining what neo-feudalism is, because I'm sure everyone's tired of hearing me specifically drone on, and I'm going to say a bunch more after this. So if someone else wants to explain <laughs> neo-feudalism, then I'll chime in with my two cents afterwards. So just to give everyone's nice. ears a break from my terrible accent. But you, you, you do yourself short. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, uh, here's the thing, like, do we want to, are we taking the definition that was given in that article? Because I don't think that's the one that's, that's most broadly used. The problem is there's like, again, in the same way as feudalism was constructed as this thing that's handy to point to and use politically to talk about a thing and to construct a narrative, neo-feudalism is kind of the same thing, um, except that... It, <sighs> It's not pointing to a thing that might not that, that might or might not have existed depending on how you squint at it. It's looking at a process that's emerging organically now and trying to kind of give it a kind of brand that suggests the the feel of things to come. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, Rob Rob kind of Rob kind of talked around it. It's the the fundamental principle is that the state continues to decay until it exists in sort of name only almost as the kind of proximate underlying guarantor of the markets. And then the real powers that be are the kind of corporate structures and kind of we kind of interweaving with them and existing around them, the straight up kind of rentier structures of the economy, and that these will basically squat vampire like over a disconnected, not necessarily even kind of contiguous population. You know, because like here's the thing: if your um, if your landlord is Amazon, like there isn't going to be like a free state of Amazon or something like this mm. that you are a, a surf on. Instead, it's going to be that in cities all across different, you know, even different continents, you will have areas where Amazon holds power, and in this way, their their accountability becomes very diffuse, and because the mode of production is not. You know, it's it's completely taken apart and abstracted away from kind of you know um, material production in terms like farming, like you had under feudalism. It becomes very hard to actually kind of to point to the local lord and go, "Yes, that's my local lord." Instead, it's more replacing the same kind of oppressive structures with something that is much more much more inhuman. I guess would be a way to put it, because yeah. I mean, the the, the kind of the recurring theme of all the different brands of feudalism you hear brought up is that fundamentally there's a guy somewhere, and it's always a guy, let's be real, who's uh, who's ultimately, you know, exploiting you directly. Um, and, you know, when, when the contradictions get too much, you get pitchforks and torches and things get pretty grim, or you get other guys from other places moving in to kind of try and, you know, uh, exploit that themselves. You're not going to get that under neo-feudalism. Instead, you're just going to get the grinding, overarching power of contract law. And when you mentioned the church used to be a thing mm. and that the church could be your landlord, I'd suggest that maybe a slightly better way to conceptualize this is not so much neo-feudalism in the sense of there's going to be like a local baron and your local baron is going to be brought to you by Amazon Prime or any of this shit, is to think of it instead of like um, capital as the new god and the priest of capital and the church or capital is ultimately going to be your landlord and exist in a semi-feudal arrangement with you. I think that's a more productive yeah. way to do it, where instead of holy canon law deciding everything, mm. it's holy contract law and EULAs. But there will be, I mean... Does that, does that 
Does that fit, Rob? Do you agree? Yeah, with I, 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 I would broadly sort of agree with that. Um, but I do think in some cases, like there will be also a process um, where dis discrete geographical territories are sort of carved out and, and given to, to corporations with the nominal consent of a, of a nominal democratic government. Um, and, and what I wanted to talk about, sort of make it a little bit more practical and sort of draw it away from being too theoretical was a piece that you sent a while ago, James. Mm. Um, and this is about the state of Nevada in, in the US who want to allow tech companies to create what they call innovation zones, <laughs> uh, which are essentially local governments, which are functionally controlled by a company which has jurisdiction over local taxation, zoning rules, and can even write laws that that would supersede local county legislation. Innovation zone is like just, I mean, that's just fucking perfect, really, mm. like, you know? It's the shittest level of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> damn you, David, you got there like a second ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait until, like, you know, Elon Musk sets up an innovation zone on the border and, like, you know what I mean? Like, people are like, is that drugs you're smuggling? And, no, no, it's innovation. We, we powdered <laughs> innovation and, um, and we're, we're selling it to people now. Well, there's a, there's a, I mean, so this is being considered in Nevada and it's being considered for a, a very specific reason because to qualify for the, to become an innovation zone, companies will need to own over 50,000 acres or 20,000 hectares and promise, not do, but promise to invest 125 billion into that innovation zone. Um, but fortunately for Nevada, there's exactly one company that meets these criteria. And it's a wonderful company called Blockchain LLC. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus wept. <laughs> oh, no, it, guys, it fits and it fits so well. Because, you know, under, you used to have, you know, you load 16 tons and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt with a company town, yeah, right? And that yeah, was yeah. mining. Mm -hmm. And now we've got blockchain mining with exactly the same thing. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Oh. Our society and our history is written by George Lucas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, blockchain uh, LLC in particular have uh, said that what they want to do I, is... I, I, I've never heard of this company until you mentioned it right now, but I get a strong vibe that they're run by pedophiles. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're, technically, they're a Phoebophiles, okay. So. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Look, Jamie, just because we have strong reservations about age of consent laws, that doesn't mean when they set up their free zones that they're going... That, hmm, actually, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what they want to do is build Was, was a... Little St. James an innovation zone? <laughs> <laughs> that little temple was actually a temple to innovation it was because you had to innovate to get inside because the doors were actually painted on that <laughs> well everyone knows that it was accessible from the tunnels that ran under it no, i'm saying too much <laughs> so so blockchain llc has promote has uh said that they, what they want to do is build a smart city and use the power of blockchain to deliver. I just, I just rolled my eyes so hard. I'm <laughs> the power, the power. <laughs> just looking at the inside of my own skull now. <laughs> it has a lot of sort of Castle Grayskull energy. But and what they want to do is use blockchain for its infrastructure and also use cryptocurrencies, Natch, um, to pay for gig workers like Uber and also, you know, another fucking libertarian side stream. They want to be able to use crypto to pay for local cannabis sales. 
Of course they do. I'm I mean, just, uh, I too want local cannabis sales uh, by any means necessary, but probably not if we have to bring crypto into it. I mean, mm. your girl's from the Seattle area and suffers immeasurably for her choice to <laughs> prioritize healthcare above legal weed. But you know, there it is. I just I'm I'm picturing them like founding this this free state on Bitcoin, <laughs> and like I, the second it comes into being, just a whole swath of the Amazon just immediately it doesn't even catch fire. It just it Withers away, like at the end of like uh, Infinity War, it's just like <laughs> like someone snapped their fingers and it's gone. Uh, so yeah, the 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 CEO, a guy called Jeffrey Burns, uh, who weirdly enough is a former consumer protection attorney, which is fine, fucking bizarre. And he's, I mean, of course, it's all libertarian bullshit, but um, he says we want one of these innovation zones because he believes that like functional government represents an unnecessary middleman between people and ideas. Is this is this Jeffrey Burns guy just Epstein in a mustache? <laughs> I think it very well might be, yeah. Quoth Jeffrey Bernstein, for us to be able to take risks and be limber, limber, nimble. Oh, and God. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's always like limber or nimble. It's Those yeah, are the two they both. like. Anyway. Yeah. Agile. Yeah. It's any, any of the, any of the uh, adjectives that get you into like a teenage girl's bedroom window without a parent's waking up. <laughs> oh those, are, those are the ones that tech bros look for. <laughs> um, for us to be able to take risks and be limber, nimble, and figure out how to do things like you do when you are designing new products, that's mm. just not how government works. So why not just let us create a government that lets us do these things, he said. That's my retort. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows government is famously anti-business mm -hmm. and just, you know, constantly, constantly is bigging up the workers and just like, you know, trying to establish a communist state. And yeah, they just, they just need to dismantle it. Just absolutely. It has to be gone because, you know, otherwise, otherwise they're going to have to pay people in real Money. Yeah, someone someone should just like, you know what I mean, herd all these tech bro entrepreneur innovator types into a field. <laughs> well, that one's definitely getting cut. <laughs> but I mean, but you see what I mean, right? I mean, this is this is one of these this is like a high tech company being given land by by Is it a high tech company? What are they what do they actually fucking do? I don't fucking know. I can't. I tried to work this out, but it's something to do with owning a lot of fucking graphics cards. Does not make you a high tech company. No, I guarantee you. I I know nothing about them, but my brain is throbbing, and I'm just feeling the vibe of the ether. And I bet you they're a defi company. They're decentralized finance uh, on the blockchain, essentially. I guarantee like that's that. it. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe they produce that shitty art that we talked about last week. No, mm. it's it's actually worse than that. Um, so, right, not it's not soon, but it will come. Um, basically, finance is hurtling into uh, basically all the contracts you can build on the blockchain. They're all hurtling into that because it's basically unregulated. Yeah. And that's what that's all about, essentially. So I guarantee you they're a bunch of fucking tech bros who've gone, hey, wait a minute, we can do Wall Street on the the, the blockchain and there's no government regulation whatsoever so we can do whatever the fuck we want mm -hmm. and that'll make us all incredibly rich because we can just literally steal people's money at the end of the day yeah like, i guarantee you it's, it's why that, why, why don't they why don't they do wall street on like a rocket that's hurtling towards the fucking sun 
<laughs> because Elon hasn't quite got there yet. Uh, no, I mean that, that's that's all the the, the Elon Musk uh, uh, Mars colony. I think that's where everybody's going to die of not having any bone density and being blind before they land. Everyone's going to die of not making it to fucking Mars. Is what they're going to die of. Uh, no, they'll die of moderate explosions twelve foot above the launch pad. No, no, no. They'll get there as they're in their little hab domes, starving to death slowly. Every single one of them can be comforted because Elon gave them all. A GTX 3090. So, can I just check? This is Blockchains LLC, right? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so I just clicked on their products, and they've got digital identity management. Yes, great. Mm-hmm. I.e., we should we should basically handle all the state infrastructure on you know knowing where its citizens are and running up an Optican. The third one is oh, it's these guys are going to be running the uh, the COVID vaccine passport. Ah, uh, yep. Yeah, no, there you go. Um, Connected devices and services, which is just like, oh yeah, we do actual like tech stuff as well. But there's a middle one in there called digital asset management. So yes, it's exactly what I just described. That's where they're getting their fucking money from. Mm. So yeah. they, 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 they have ways to identify people. They've got ways to make bits of software that identify people, talk to other bits of software that identify people, and they like assets. Tony Blair was Prime Minister too early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he'd love oh, this God. shit if they want like you know what i mean like a head start on figuring out where like you know if they're planning to like have technology that tracks everyone and where they all are they want a head start on where i am i'm running towards their offices with an axe mm. <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let me read this real quick um with businesses giving way to digital repositories and paper contracts ceding to digital signatures, it's time for a better place to store all our digital assets. To address the challenges and risks of an individual or entity having total control over their digital assets, a secure, user-friendly interface with a means to transact and store these digital assets is fundamental in development of applications and systems that interact with blockchain-based solutions. As part of a digital digital asset management solution, we provide a friendly digital wallet and secure t- key management tool with a role-based rights management and recovering feature. That sounds very Additionally, digital. I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm I, not sure I ever asked for a digital wallet, but go on. Go on, King. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Additionally, we offer... Can you get it Sorry. on a digital wallet chain if you're in a new metal? <laughs> can I, can I fit, will it fit next to my skills wallet in my metaphorical back pocket? <laughs> Uh, probably like uh, it's that basically they're doing the tech to allow all the de- the decentralized finance stuff to potentially work your next job could be in like cyber skills wallets <laughs> yeah no that is literally like that that is kind of what they're doing essentially it's a it's a very particular brand of middleman kind of work to underpin all the kind of financial shit and it's just um yeah it just okay, really sounds great. to me like they're trying to make roll 20 mandatory for everyone ah <laughs> 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 oh, we're a bunch of nerds on this podcast uh yeah but i mean but you see what i mean How right like this you? sort of i mean this is all like fucking fun and games and it's ridiculous and these people are obviously fucking clowns but this type of a weak central government that's desperate for for revenue because you know they can't conceive of a way of doing that that doesn't involve raising taxes it gives land control to this weird entity that if you know that they won't but these guys won't but amazon will at some point you know they they're already building like 
company housing and stuff mm. and and will pay their employees in in script at some point whether or not that's on a blockchain or not and then like you know as you say uh, james then it's not like your 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 local lord is jeff bezos like your local lord is is amazon sprl based in in fucking luxembourg with with the ownership structure run through the cayman islands and then you get into this sort of techno surfery where essentially most of us will at some may or will be reduced to like living as serfs, either working in the Amazon fulfillment center to send packages to each other or be the extended literal servant class of, of like the, the, the higher up managers in, in Jeff Bezos's eternal crew and, and watering their lawns and, you know, being second nanny number two. And that will be a hereditary position because my mother was a, a, a nanny to this person. And because their sons inherit the shares in Amazon, you know, they be, the, the 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 large sons then become the inheritors of of the Amazon estate, and at that point, you know, like this is, I don't know, maybe we need, maybe I need to think about this shit a bit more. But you see what I mean? Like, it's this combination of some territorial control, a lot of personal control, um, using surveillance and violence to to control your workers, mm. mixed in with this sort of techno surveillance capital thing that that really freaks me out and like it, you know so much of what we consider as democracies are so fucking fragile at the moment that you know you've seen how amazon is pitting like uh, entire u.s states and and, and uk regions against mm. each other to say mm. we will build a fulfillment center but only if you essentially do what we say and give us all the money to do it and it, it sounds that's it sounds like those two choices really, for the future. You can either merge with some robotic arm and just work forever, or you can be sacrificed to ensure that Jeff Bezos can remain on his throne. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we are just going full 40k with it then, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I suppose this is where I'm going to kind of jump in with with my um, historian, uh, you know, death uh, communism take on all of this. Um, which is... Uh, I so I completely agree that this is where we are currently heading, um, and that there is no political will to stop this, other than from the part of um, individuals, and something is going to have to give at some point. But I kind of reject the framing of neo feudalism here as the way that we are describing it, because uh, I want to know what the fuck about this is an imperialist, frankly. Um, and I think that one of the reasons why medieval history is um, a really difficult road to hoe generally, especially within this particularly kind of like liberal framing of what history is and this idea that we're always moving towards something better. Oh, it's uh, like, oh, it was always inevitable. We were always stepping just, just this way. And that like the backsliding is specifically feudal. I don't think this is feudal. I think, I think it's imperialist. Um, and I think that this is a lot like actually the fucking Roman state, um, which was predicated on mass slavery just straight the fuck up uh, you know when we look at uh feudalism and we go oh it's this major step backwards i'm like well i don't know at least those motherfuckers weren't like property 
in the same way when you're a serf. Um, you know, we see the same kind of um, within this, and especially uh, I think that uh, the LA Review of Books article did a great job of talking about um, the kind of uh, tension between an urban elite and the hinterlands. That's certainly always been a thing underneath imperialism, whether we're talking about, you know, Hellenistic imperialism, whether we're talking about Roman imperialism, whether we're talking about uh, modern imperialism, or early modern imperialism, there's always a kind of like core of people living not particularly great lights, lives in order to service a kind of urban elite of some description with a very stratified society within the urban corridor itself. Um, and I think that one of the things that we tend to do as humans, because we have very short lives in comparison to what history is, is we tend to say, oh, well, oh, this has been the case for 50 years, so that's a really long time. Um, and actually, this kind of blip in the sort of you know, mid, like, you know, it when really what we're talking about, if we're talking about any sort of period where stuff was kind of good for your average worker um, underneath capitalism with the great rise of, you know, for example, unions, that kind of thing. Yeah, it was, where, was what, like 25, maybe 30 years end of the yeah. Second World War to Reagan, give or take? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like you basically got, you know, if we're just going to talk in an American uh, paradigm and, you know, obviously I want to presage this by saying that, like, um, you know, this is also for white people. It's not for, uh, you know, ethnic minorities. Um, you know, we're talking about FDR to Reagan. That's it, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's you've got about yeah. 40, 40 years at a stretch where stuff kind of got better for a little bit. And we tend to think, oh, well, no, that's what capitalism is capitalism is this thing where you know it worked kind of all right for a minute there and it's like yeah that was when they were giving us concessions because they were worried we were going to go full-blown fucking communist at any moment and they had to like rage you know long ongoing wars because we were so fucking close and they gave us just enough to stop us from doing that um and i think that really left to its own devices this is what imperialism does it will gouge out these states it will allow rich people to say well this is how I do things. And I mean, it, certainly if we look at imperialist states, yeah, there's always a kind of like a vague overarching structure. But frankly, as long as enough taxes are being kicked back to whoever is in quote unquote control, then the major corporations within that are allowed to do what they want. I mean, look at the British East India Company for more information. Yeah. I mean, if you think yeah. that like the, the Romans, it's like whatever was going on in your plantation out of town where people's money comes from their like massive plantation that they have, which is being run by slaves. And they hang out in cities in the winter and then they go back to their plantation at the summer. And you're like, our word idiot literally means rusticated and it's a reference to not spending enough time um, in towns like in the Roman period, because you have to go to cities to like get the culture to be a proper member of the ruling class, you know? And I, I think that to a certain extent, when we use the term feudalism, what it does is it kind of takes away a little bit from what the actual horror of imperialism is. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of the time we don't want to see that anymore. And I think that left to its own devices, this is this is simply just what imperialism does. Yeah. And to a certain extent, I would fucking welcome a stratified fetal state at this point. Because at least like <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know, at least Amazon wouldn't be running the same fucking like grift every single place in the world at the same time. Maybe you'd get like a local Amazon and it might not be quite so fucked. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's for you're saying it exactly right like the the thing about having the divine right of kings and all the shit that proceeds from that is that there is a chance there is a chance you roll the dice 
And you might actually get someone sitting on the throne or in the local barony who's not a complete shit yep. or a complete monster. You know, you might actually get someone who genuinely believes in the noblesse oblige kind of bullshit and does like tries to do good stuff and rule judiciously and or who who takes the you know the, the faith side of it like oh it's I'm, I am actually divinely appointed to do good and I've got to balance my mm. own venal sins. You know, there is a chance you get that. And we're kind of in a worse state than that mm -hmm. because we're not actually ruled by people. We're not ruled by individuals. We're ruled by these systems we have built that enable people's worst impulses to be expressed and nothing else. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to, to make clear, like, to on, on Eleanor's point, like, what I, the, the idea that's sort of kicking my head, this frame, like, that does refer to, like, what we still used to call the imperial core so like europe and and the us and canada and you know th that part of the country like i think in in the developing world this civilization would be incredibly worse i mean it would be like living in in the eastern roman provinces and and live on a tax farmers so i think that's kind mm. of you know that kind of level ex of, of exploitation or the east india company for that matter i think it's much more like that on the other hand i'm also mindful like i don't want to cut this discussion off too much because i do think it's interesting but i'm also mindful of the time oh um, uh, yeah i sure we do we do be going on though we do we be going, do be on. going on, but, <laughs> i mean i i, I you know uh, I have I had a whole bunch more shit written down, but uh, maybe this is something we can return to in a, in a future episode and, and chat more shit about this kind of thing because there's a whole as we grow ever closer to it. Yeah. Oh, don't yeah. don't threaten me with a good time if you think that I don't have another <laughs> you know forty minutes of simply screaming about this alone. Then you I'm, are dead no, wrong. no. I'm 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 assured that everyone does. I'm just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do realize we we do we do be going on. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I think the lesson really to take from this is that if you apply the tenets of Whig history to predictive ability, it's not really going to come out right, is it? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, all I can say, I mean, I had a bunch more shit about Amazon, which we'll leave for now. All I can say is, if you would like to avoid this hellscape of a future. I mean, I don't know if we still can, but my only and best advice right now is uh, to join the Labour Party. I think that's a really good start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do you want some genuinely good news? Sure. Yes. I've heard of that. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's bittersweet good news, but it's, fun, it's funny good news. Mm. Um, in Nevada, the socialist slate has won in the local democratic elections, their internal elections, yes. and yeah. uh, just completely swept to power. And um, in response, all the staffers who worked for the you know nakedly corrupt evil Democrats um, have all quit en masse, oh, but no. not before spending all the budget they held on private kind of you know consultancies etc. to drain the coffers to nothing. Uh. Oh, what cunts! I mean, that's still less wrecking than anyone in the Labour Party ever fucking did the last few years. So yeah, We're yeah. Done for yeah. yeah. Can no you imagine? To... Can you imagine if everyone, at every every fucking twat in the Labour Party had just done that the first time Corbyn won the leadership? luxury space communism by now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know, there's there's still political struggles over this, and there's not it's not a done deal no. that will end up with that in Nevada. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, dare I, if it's this, this phrase that David says from time to time, it's socialism or, David, what was it? Socialism or what? <laughs> Barbarism. Barbarism. Yeah, cool.
it's, so there's only what's a barbarian? It's, not even, it's not even socialism or barbarism. It's you've got a choice. It's either collectivism or being crushed as an individual. Those are the two choices that any of us have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we'll See, all we'll all be on fire and underwater in seven years' time. So, oh, one matter? can only fucking hope. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, it's, well, it's either that or the uh, stockholders aren't going to make quite as much, uh, you know, excess money. So, do we really have a choice? I mean, like, at least I'm I'm looking forward to all of us holding hands while we're on in on fire underwater. I think that'll be good. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Anyway, um, I, you know, if you're interested in these kinds of things, I don't know, there's like a bunch more shit I wanted to talk about within this frame, uh, including the weird town of Celebration, uh, owned and run by Disney. Um, yes. And, <laughs> and 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 all kinds of other other shit. So if you want to come back on at some point, we'll we'll do maybe we'll do like a mini series of this thing if you if if that's something. Oh, I will. I will be back and I will yell and I want to talk about it into infinity yes please thank you scream oh, into cool. the void with us in the innovation <laughs> zone <laughs> um so that being said i think david you have some wonders of the uh, world of comment or commentariat for us yes yes i do i i have I've been on a dive i am covered in shit and i am here to present my findings <laughs> with you um we didn't cover the interview or anything like that, the, the Meghan Markle fucking Prince Harry pish, because uh, I don't want to. But I have... I am just sorry. I'm just making noises about the monarchy generally because it's like, oh yeah, yeah. you know, fucking breaking news, monarchy racist institution. And I absolutely <laughs> fucking hate to be, you know, defending a royal of any flavor. So, you know, but... So let's not. Well, let's not, you know. Well, there, there, there shall be no defense or condemnation here. It's wild that that's apparently been news to some people. Mm. It's like, oh, but she was well, I... pretty, so we thought it would be fine. It's like, <laughs> did you now? Okay, cute. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... Just, it's like it's like it's like people don't quite. It's like they can't quite grasp that power through descent by bloodline in you know the European kind of continent generally is intrinsically tied to white supremacy like a huge fucking shocker oh wow isn't it? you mean the people with all the blood diamonds <laughs> like, it's just... wait elon musk had Why, nothing to do with this uh... yeah no it's, it's it's blood emeralds first of all second of all <laughs> what about elon it's been wild to me because like obviously you expect there's like plenty of fucking like dipshits who just like it's not racism we just don't like it because and then they just constantly like, pick up some goalposts and just run with them do you know what i mean like oh we don't like it because she's just after the money it's like she she had plenty of money oh we don't like it because she's just wanting to be famous she, she was, was famous. famous oh we don't like it because she's like a, she's abducted poor innocent harry from his family because like you know she she had like lost her own family so she needed to ruin his it's like what have you fucking heard yourself do you know what I mean? But any like all the reasons, just like they're just running around, and it's really it's just just say you don't like her because of, because of the color of her skin, and <laughs> save everyone like two hours of their life. So yeah. obviously you expect there'll be those people who oh it's not it's not racism. We just don't like her because like you know uh, reasons. Um, all all but, I'll say is that it takes a fucking it takes a fucking act of God to make me feel sympathetic with a guy who is famous for previously going to a party dressed up as a fucking. I Nazi. know, right? <laughs> like, and, and this is kind of like my thing about not wanting to get into it because I'm like, don't make me defend like you know the the literal the literal fucking prince who dressed up like a Nazi, please. If we could not do that, 
That'd be great. Yeah, and yet here I am. I'm out here. Like, I suppose that what I, my my feelings towards Harry within this whole thing is like, to be fair, you know, the institution which is now attacking his wife, like, scarred him for life by forcing him to march behind his mother's fucking coffin in full view of, like, everyone in the entire world yeah. as a child. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about specifically the British press, um, my personal enemies, uh, within all of this, you know, as well. Um, so, you know, like, this is the thing. I end up actually defending a prince, and I fucking hate that. Like, let's not do that. Like, let me just yell yeah. about how, um, excuse me, that's not technically feudalism. Like, that's my role on this podcast, not defending I mean, a yeah. prince. <laughs> My point where I'll get emotionally invested in the royal family is at the point where I see them doing a full Romanov reenactment in a basement. Until that point, <laughs> no emotions towards them whatsoever. Yeah, it's just been wild to me because obviously there's people who you would expect to sort of defend the racism and pretend it's not there. And obviously, you know, there's people who would just go, yeah, like, fuck the royals. But it was just wild to me that there were so many people who apparently were just, una like, you know what I mean, were just oblivious. They just thought the royal family were just, oh, they're just sort of, like, hanging around and being nice. And then it's like, what, they're racist? What? Holy <laughs> fuck, when did this happen? You know what I mean? We are, doing amazing, <laughs> we are doing an amazing job of not talking about this, by the way. Can I just say that? Well, yeah, okay. Like, I, I will, I will, I'll save us then with some comment or commentary, actually. Um, please do. I, I'll actually, I'll, I'll whet your appetite while I write. Mick Wright posted something amazing on Twitter, and you still follow Mick Wright if you don't. Yeah, at Broken right, Border have... Boy, he's fucking great. Yes, I yes. please and, follow him. And check and out subscribe his to his newsletter as well because it's also good reading. Yep. Oh snap! I and, didn't even and... know about that. Thank you. Yeah, and buy him a car. I mean, <laughs> buy buy him everything. Just just I just give him yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. Give give him your life savings. Fuck it. <laughs> so <laughs> give it, give he... him your blockchain. Mick Wright for feudal overlord. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, get get him set up in an innovation zone. <laughs> we need an actual baron to take out the press barons. <laughs> so, Mick, in his um, daily trawl through the, the papers, which I, I still don't understand how he does it, and fucking fair play to you, mate. With gloves on? Because it's mind-bendingly bad. Um, he found this from Andrew Roberts in the Daily Telegraph. If it was true that the Duchess was driven to consider suicide by the attempt by the attitude of the tabloid press... Why didn't she simply do what other royals and senior politicians have always done and read responsible broadsheets such as the Daily Telegraph and said, What? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was printed in a newspaper. I... That is the, that, that's the equivalent of, you know, what's this cyberbullying? Cyberbullying's not real. Just close your <laughs> yeah. eyes and walk is away. This, is that's... this the, the same Daily Telegraph that yesterday was defending the Nazi prince? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Just you. Just to be clear, there. Just just to be fucking clear about like their defense of uh, Wallace Sampson yesterday. But that's well, they cool. they yeah. did their duty to I think uh, the line goes uh, securing a white future for our children. Something along those lines. <laughs> something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They've yeah. been tying themselves in absolute fucking knots over this, trying to reconcile the fact that they need to still try and be nice to Harry because he's the white one. And, like, the knots they are tying themselves into over this by trying to blame him for things but also not blame him at all is astoundingly mm. funny. Can I just... Sorry, I'm very confused. You mentioned Nazi prince. Um, I know, one? right? It's like... <laughs> please, please be more specific. I'm sorry, um, Nazi king. This was the Nazi king I was referencing. So, you know... Oh, oh again, which one? Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I know. You know, what, okay. when you need to... Ed, ed, when you abdicate because you're... Uh, you know, you... 
your devotion to the Nazi pussy is like so hard. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) We've all been there. Let's kick off with some comment or commentary. So. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I just thought of one more and then we'll do it. I just want to say Nazi pussy got me acting unwise. (laughs) 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 Sorry, it took me a little bit longer. I have been drinking. That's that's worth the wait. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Go on. Go on. Yes, let's go. Do you you want to be a full cast member at this point? I'm just going to extend the fucking offer. (laughs) Okie doke. Young Megan fans believe you can build compassion around the world by the very act of being. Doing matters less. Activism is promoting your friend's vegan latte business or amplifying voices of the unheard on a wittering podcast. Oh, fuck <laughs> off. The, tra- <laughs> the tragedy is you can imagine Prince Harry in Britain raising morale during the pandemic, helping soldiers deliver vaccines and charming ICU nurses instead of sitting sad-eyed on Zoom calls. What? Comment or commentary. It's, it's comment- no, I think it's commentariat. Okay, like it's commentariat. This is commentariat. When I am king, when I am king, anyone who says anything remotely like vegan lattes is de- death sentence immediately. Yeah, because because <laughs> yeah, comments don't mention stuff like vegan lattes. That is firmly like the denizens of the commentariat zone. I think, but also, yeah, and, and what the fuck, and also the the whole Prince Harry, like you know, looking after our trips kind of thing. Uh, David, did you just did you set us up for that? Is this Telegraph? It's not Telegraph, no. Is it commentary? I think it might be commentary. I'm joining Eleanor it, in this one. It is commentary. Yes. It was Janice Turner in the Times. Woo! Yeah. Okay. Times and the Telegraph. Oh no! Like, yeah. Fine. Yeah, the two genders. Sure. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> all right. They painted an image of Brits especially the working class ones who are more likely to read the tabloids, as a latent hateful mob liable to have their inner prejudices brought out by the trashy papers they read, susceptible yes. to having bigotry yes. filtered into their minds. Oh. They should write this up as a column for Novara Media. Comment oh. or commentary okay, I, That's a comment, I think. Um, and I just think that it's a comment specifically because of the word trashy. Because I think a commentariat would be trying to keep them on on board um, ever so slightly while also like insulting working class people, in my mm-hmm, experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also think the use of the term Brits, the way that's done, mm-hmm. like you'll get that in headlines in the tabloids and all the rest of it for space saving, but not so much, I think, in the actual, like they, 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 they tend to use other language because they've got words to fill, column inches. So yeah, I'm going with comment on this and I'm going to, I'm gonna reach deep and I mean, say would any BBC? of the would any of the papers mention Navara Media? That's a very online thing. Yeah, you yeah, have to be quite I, I online, think I think. I, I, although, I think it's BBC comments. Although it would be quite funny if, if this was actually commentary and it was someone at Navara. <laughs> <laughs> that I would actually much appreciate. Uh, but I do think it's a comment. It was commentary. Oh shit! It was Brendan O'Neill for spiked. Yay! <laughs> of oh, course it no. was. Yes, because wow. Big Brendan wow. is his head so long that it goes over the top of the column and loops back into the comment section. I, to, to to be clear with that, it's like whether Brendan is like online or actually writing a column, it's always spiritually a post and never a column. Yes. You know, much like yes. me. So, you know, game recognized game. 
<laughs> you do not, in fact, go to hand it to him. I do not. I do not. <laughs> he, he is he is absolutely the sort of person who would post in the comments of his own fucking article. So 100%. you're looping around comment definitely applies. He, he, he's absolutely the sort of person who would write an article and then reply to a comment someone else had left, but like while wearing a hat to like try and disguise, like you know what I mean, <laughs> <laughs> who he was or something. Yeah, no, we really, will remind no, you again. I am thinking works. of like making yet more accounts and being like a spiked online reply guy as like another alt or something. Think just to see. You'd need right another alt because we've all been banned for their comments. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> we have been. <laughs> oh right, next one. Red flags. Unfortunately, it has taken me years to learn that when someone tells you they are compassionate and caring, they aren't. When they tell you they are honest and trustworthy, they aren't. Yet others who appear harsh and contained, you could trust with your life. Comment or commentary for this very, very damaged individual. Oh, my my bet. Right, I think you I think you pulled a fast one here, David. I think this is technically comment because I reckon this is a member of the royal family. Ooh. Right. Ooh, Charles posting is very spicy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I suppose that this is a really tricky one. I guess I'm going to go comment here. See, you say you say Charles might have like posted this, but can you imagine how big a fucking keyboard he would need to get those like <laughs> mad fucking sausage fingers? <laughs> I'm not. Is he? Does he have? I've, I have never paid attention to his piggly wigglies. Does he have big fingers? Oh yes! Oh did yeah! Not, we, did you we, not we have a see gift when you. they went? <laughs> yeah, fucking hell, mate! Princess hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> right, Jamie, what do you reckon? Comment or commentary? You've never asked me. You haven't asked me what my opinion was on any of the previous questions. Why am I suddenly Cause you, being like? Because you said them previously, but you haven't said anything now. I, I, I haven't answered you at all. Yeah, I've been I've been abstaining. You've not been abstaining. I'm taking the, I'm taking the Keith route. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not for me to tell the British public whether they should think it's comment or commentary. <laughs> well How dare you call our listeners British? Oh. <laughs> okay doke. That was a comment. I think it's a comment. Good. You're right. <laughs> it was a comment left in the Daily Mail. No indication, James, if it was a royal or not, though. We'll never know, unfortunately. In your heart, in your in your in your deep, deep heart, you know it's true. Uh, I don't know it's true. And do you know how I know that wasn't a royal? Hmm. Not once in that comment did I have to excise the N-word. <laughs> I mean, royal isn't a real thing anyway, though, is it? You know what I mean? It's just made mm. up, so anyone can be royal if they want. I mean, everything's made up, like, really, oh, mate. Like, oh, I know, but like, yeah, all right, okay, yeah, yeah, all right, fucking Aristotle, everything's made up, yeah. But like, you know, oh, I've got magic blood because of who my mom was. Fuck off. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my mom was pretty right. hot, so yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know whether to say all hail King Jamie or to just like tell you to pipe down Harry Potter <laughs> right would an older senior royal innocently asking Harry what skin colour his baby might have oh, given that oh, Meghan's mother is Christ. black and her father white constitute racism it would if there was yes. any derogatory tone to the question 
or any suggestion that it would be a problem how dark the child's skin was, but we don't know the answer to those vital questions because oh, having let on. off the racism bomb, the Sussexes won't say any more. The racism bomb. This is like my fucking problem with all of these people, whether this is a comment or commentary at. My problem with them is like, oh, you know, the racism bomb. Like, you know, the, it, it's always like the idea that like the racism, like what racism is, is literally if I see a black person, I punch them in the face and use the N-word repeatedly and like yeah. it's some kind of bomb and not just that it's yeah, creepy racism. and stuff like this it's ah uh, they don't they don't even mean they don't even mean that when they say the racism bomb they mean accusing someone of racism yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah no that, that is, that's that's yeah, the real that's the yeah. real cry the real crime behind racism is when when a white person yeah. is accused of it yeah but they, because they know it's bad they know it's bad to be a racist but they like racism you know yeah so. it's these vile terrorist like, like, campaigns on behalf of woko haram it's terrible. <laughs> oh god no that's the thing though it's like you can do the biggest racism in the world right and you're really you're just sitting a bomb there but the person who comes along and says hey that's racist they're the one who's detonating it yeah no it racism is so, when you say the bad words and only when you say the bad words mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yeah like, it's true Racism is literally being a member of the Ku Klux Klan, but just the bit when you put the hood on and burn the cross and maybe lynch <laughs> yeah. someone. Other than that, it's fine. It's just only you have to be wearing the sheet at the time. Yeah, that's it. If you're not wearing the sheet, it's just bounce. And also, it also it's not it's not racism if like you know it's against like Muslims because how is that a race? Oh. Anyway, anyway, comment or commentary. Yeah. I've 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 honestly. I've honestly forgotten what 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 the comment or comment what 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 the what it was. <laughs> I don't even fucking know. I don't know. Like I don't maybe maybe commentary at because it's like skirting around so hard that it's like who's. No, I, I think it's it, it's it's doing an awful lot of heavy lifting with that innocent kind of innocently asking kind of thing. Asking questions. So it, yeah, that feels like narrative setting, and it feels very strongly like commentary. So I'm going commentary in terms of paper. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think I'm unable to like offer a, a stance on which it could be until we see the results of the uh, local elections. <laughs> <laughs> commentary at the Sun. Uh, comment. Okay. Oh, f- it was okay. commentary at. Ah. It was in the Daily Mail, and that was mm. former Good Morning Britain presenter Piers Morgan. Oh come on! <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! Stop! Holy no! Shit. Fuck off! Yep. Okay, all nope, right. That was yep. <laughs> Sorry. Can you can you read back the first sentence of that again, please, David? Yeah, sure. So we can just picture it being said by Piers Morgan. Would an older senior royal innocently asking Harry what skin color his baby might have, given that Meghan's mother is black and her father white, constitute racism? Uh, yeah, no. that's that's Piers Morgan, all right. Yep. Jesus fucking Christ! Would an Christ. elder royal innocently we- innocently wielding calipers and a a, a panatone skin palette say, "Can you can I just confirm what color your skin your child will be?" Uh, just who's yeah. your wait? Who's everybody's bets on who asked that? Because I think it's Charles. It's Charles. It's a hundred percent Charles. It's just definitely Charles. Uh, that's what I. Think. I don't know. I, I Allegedly there's, parody there's a good redacted. Chance that's a Philip one. No, they've said it wasn't the Queen or Philip. Mm-hmm. Oh, did they? Oh, right. So, oh, yeah, Charles did. Yeah. I, yeah. I find that. I mean, like, possibly Andrew, and if only because he'd quite like to know about the child. Mm. 
Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Just shown an un- an uh, 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 like uncle like interest in the in the child. Yes, yes, a very uncle like interest. Correct. Yes, that's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Just uncle vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big for uncle sure. vibes. <laughs> right. Okay. Last one. The real kick in the teeth for us has been Harry. We loved that young man. We loved his humour, his dedication to duty. We loved his ease with people. Yeah, we, and loved, we were proud we loved of the his work. Dedication to like dropping shit out of a helicopter on foreigners. <laughs> Love that. We loved. We loved. His we loved his ease. In <laughs> Fucking hell. We loved his ease with people, and we were proud of the work he was doing with disabled veterans. So for him to badmouth a nation that showed him so much affection is beyond comprehension. Think back. When was the last time you saw him laugh? Comment or commentary. When was? Okay, I'm go- oh, right. I'm going with comment with this just because the vibe is so strong and it's incredibly like the the my the vibe I'm getting off this is specifically like a Princess Diana vibe, uh, like a, a huge Princess Diana Stan Daily Mail reader comment. Um, okay. It's it's very like they've got a live laugh love wooden heart. Um, you know they've got several <laughs> Princess Diana memorial mugs. That's the vibe. That's I think vibe. it's. Um... I'm going to say it's it's commentary at, and the last time they saw Harry laugh was before like the photographers from their paper chased his man <laughs> eighty miles an hour. I'm just I'm just kind of picturing is you know and this is like a voiceover thing. It's like when's the last time we saw Harry laugh, and it just cuts to him like putting the Joker makeup on. It's like, do you want to hear a joke? You know, it just it goes into. What? When was the last time we saw him laugh and he's dressed as Hitler? As <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest, right, Jamie? I can't believe you're buying into that conspiracy theory that Diana was murdered by like being chased by paparazzi. Like, it's just absolutely insane. Everyone knows. Everyone knows it was ordered by Her Majesty the Queen and carried out by them. So, just I don't want you spreading propaganda on this podcast. I mean, I I, um, I genuinely don't care. Do you know what I mean? The whole, the whole fucking Diana thing. Like, the whole, that whole thing was just, it was like fucking, the, the way the papers just like turned on a fucking pinhead from, oh, look at this fucking mad slag. She's been hanging around with this fucking fella now. Oh, we caught her, we caught her like fucking, you know what I mean? Fucking around to, oh, she was the heart, the princess of all our hearts. The nation will never recover in like a fucking second after they chased her into a fucking like embankment at like max speed do you know what i mean it was mm. just and and everyone just went like oh yeah you're right you're right she was the people's princess rather than go hang on this you you fucking cunts did this do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it was <laughs> I can't hear you say the people's princess without thinking about Margaret Thatcher because of something you said fucking <laughs> yeah, ages ago, and it sorry. still kills me. <laughs> I was uh, um, yesterday oh. on International Women's Day. I was filming in the grocer's hall uh, for this TV show I'm doing, and in it there was a portrait of Princess Di and also a portrait of the Queen Mum, and oh, yeah. I was like trying to take photos of myself alongside these portraits without like but we also were like a sort of assigned um, members of staff mm-hmm. who were just like watching what we we're doing like probably they were trying to stop me from stealing the golden camels which like fair enough play you saw me coming uh but uh i was all like i just wanted like a cheeky i think it's funny that i'm standing in front of this portrait of princess diana selfie and i kind of like managed to take one with my mask on and i was like can i take one with my mask off to make like inappropriate posts on international women's day with princess die and uh, make your man <laughs> sad uh and then like the kind of guy came around the corner and i had to be 
like, no, I was I wasn't doing anything. I was definitely not making fun of your giant pictures of the Queen Mother and Princess Diana. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing that like like a, a hitman level where you're just flicking coins, and then when the the, the handlers go off to investigate what the noise was, you just like take hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, so which now that I mention it. They should do. They should do a Hitman DLC where you like sabotage the brakes on Diana's limo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, actually, that will tie in really well with the James Bond type game that they're making because then you can do it on a Majesty's (laughs) album. Oh. 007, we have your most important mission yet. <laughs> oh, oh god. god, oh no. Oh, right. Oh, that okay. broke me. I'll end the I'll end the mystery. That was and it's Daniel, funny you Daniel mentioned Craig, Princess just Diana. Daniel Craig hitting a guy from Quick Fit so he can steal his overalls. <laughs> <laughs> was was it comment, David? Tell me it was comment. So it's funny that Eleanor mentioned the, the Princess Diana energy because it was the Daily Express it came from. Of course. Mm. And it was commentary. That was a Carol Malone writing for oh, the Daily off. Express. Yeah. <laughs> Carol Malone, I want your salary. Give it to me. Yes. <laughs> oh, wonderful. What a great stuff. country. What a great country, really. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, I can't get that out of my head now, Jamie. I'm just picturing you playing Hitman 47 and you just like, what was his name? Dodie Fired, was yeah. it? Or yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just picturing like you're knocking him out and taking his clothes and getting in the limo with us, sort of thing. <laughs> like you know, it, like just applying the hitman mechanics to the scenario of like Princess Di, and, and in classical you know, like this... hitman style, her not noticing that Dodia Fayette is being replaced yeah. with a bald guy with a tattoo in his neck. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. or like you, you're listening to like a, a guy in the press going, "Ah, oh, look, I, I want to take the shots, but it's not safe to go down a tunnel," and you're just like conking him on the back of the head and getting on his motorbike, sort of thing. <laughs> just mm-hmm. oh, right. Well, that was comment or commentary. Yeah. Yeah, and that that was the state of the British media this week. So can can yeah, I leave normal. you with one last bit of writing, which I thought was actually fucking great? It's been doing the round on Twitter today, but it's it's wonderful. Oh, yes. It's by Patrick Frayne writing in the Irish Times. <laughs> I'll just read you the only oh, the yes. first paragraph. I think having a monarchy next door is a little bit like having a neighbour who's really into clowns and has daubed their house with clown murals, displays yes. clown dolls in every window, and has an insatiable desire to hear about and discuss clown related news stories. More specifically, for the Irish, it's like having a neighbour who's really into clowns and also your grandmother was murdered by a clown. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Oh nice. man. That, that, that did numbers on Twitter today and rightly so. Um, so I think we'll probably end it there. Eleanor, thanks again for coming on. Um, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, go ahead and help me to survive because I don't make the same level of money as uh, fucking columnists for whoever, apparently. Maybe I should just be more racist. I don't know. Uh, but um, go ahead and help me out. Uh, I am on Patreon uh, backslash going medieval. If you want to check out my blog, it's going hyphen medieval.com. It's all free. I will never, ever, ever gatekeep. Um, and also, you know, I'm on Twitter. I'm at going medieval, capital G, capital M. I be yelling. I be yelling. Oh, and I, I saw you post the first, I think, images of your new book that's coming out. about the Yeah, period. that's right. Yeah, that looked thank fucking you. amazing. That's- 
Thank you so much uh, for the reminder. I have a really hard time telling people about things I've done, actually. I'm like, nebulous concepts of me I can plug, but things I've actually done. But uh, yeah, my uh, graphic guide to the Middle Ages is about to come out. Uh, you might be aware of like, you know, other graphic guides, like, you know, the queer graphic guide and stuff. I did one for medieval history. Um, it's available to pre-order now. It's going to be out sometime this spring, maybe early summer. I'm not sure. I'm going to be real with you. I'm kind of pushing for early summer because I want to have a uh, book launch party where I can get drunk with people. But, um, oh, yeah. you know, my point is if you ordered one now from your local bookseller, your local bookseller could pick one up from Icon Press um, and you would give money to your local bookseller. Um, you'll get it sometime this summer and it would also like permit me to live my life. So that'd just, be great. Just don't give your money to Amazon to turn you into a techno surf with a fucking implant in your brain. No, don't <laughs> do that. Please don't. Although if you buy it and you like it, go on Amazon and review it. But don't buy it from Amazon. That's, you know, yes. uh, whatever. I don't know, man. I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on. And before we do shoot off, thanks to you, the listener, um, because your requirement to listen to us for whatever reason, gun pointed to the head it is that someone's got you at, has got us to over 50,000 fucking listens now at this yeah. point. Yes. So, Still don't yeah, understand why, but and it's uh, cool. And a shout out to the uh, the hidden sixth member of this podcast, which is the traffic on whatever Swiss B road Rob lives on. <laughs> <laughs> and yet again, another uh, shout out to the bees as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always in our hearts. Always in our hearts. <laughs> Never forget. Oh fuck, Rob! End it. End it now. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, See you later, folks. Bye. Bye. Bye.